listening to The Final Take. We're your hosts, Nelson Wynn. And I'm Tim Cox. This is a conversation podcast where we talk TV, film, and our love for it all. This episode, we provide our take on the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, as well as a retake of the Star Wars opus, Andor. But first... If you're among our tens of listeners or new to our podcast, please help us out by smashing that like or subscribe button and give us a five-star review on any and all of the platforms you're listening on. Maybe even tell a friend or a loved one about us and share the link to this episode. And Nelson, (laughs) how would they go about doing that? Well, Tim, you know I have a background in sales. You do? And so... You know, scripting is just a thing that you know, I kind of naturally do, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> you can't get this, this without laughing. <laughs> All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Here's a sample script. Hit me. While you're out and about, possibly Christmas shopping, right? Sure. Here we go. <clears throat> Speaking of Santa, I listen to this podcast. It's called The Final Take. <laughs> oh. Speaking of Santa. (laughs) You find yourself sitting around waiting like, you know, your spouse is, you know, taking their sweet time and H&M getting, uh, you know, a gift for their second cousin. And, you know, you're, you you find yourself sitting there and, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're with, you're with your, your buddy. Cause, cause. Because their wife is also with 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 your wife, and you know, natural conversation. You know, sure. Speaking of Santa, I listen to a podcast <laughs> called The Final Take. I mean, they talk about all the stuff that I like, the Star Wars and Marvel movies, and I mean, just like entertainment in general. And it's such a good listen. I, I listen to it on Apple Podcasts, but like. They, they they say all the time they're on basically all platforms. all platforms. I think you should check it out. Okay, I will. That's like one of those desperation <laughs> moments where it's like, I'm just dying to tell this person something. <laughs> You're yeah. talking about Santa. Speaking of Santa, <laughs> let's try not to get whiplash on this one. Yeah, the podcast. So, well, hey, uh, let's talk about what's coming up next week. We're going to do the fan episode. We got a suggestion, The North Man and the Peripheral by request. So tune in for that. It is going yeah. to be. Maybe maybe watch it ahead of time. So, you know, when That's we right. raise the spoiler flag, which we likely will. That's right. Y- you can join in the join in. conversation. It's like live tweeting, but not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I heard some controversy. There, there seems to be some some elevated, um, the the Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie beefs, but when it comes to that's a deep cut. That's a deep cut, right? She knows what she that's did. How you know? She knows what she did. That's how you know you're a Gen Xer, Tim. That's right. Because like your your reference of like you know pseudo celebrity beef is Paris Hilton and Nick. <laughs> Because I don't pay attention to who's who's beefing these days. <laughs> she knows what she did. So insert insert like social media, like TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, celebrity or Real Housewife here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so Quentin Tarantino, 
we get some controversy here. Quentin Tarantino has said in an interview, he was on a podcast and he said, actors who play superheroes are not actors. I'm paraphrasing, of course, because, sure. because I believe he said that they're, they're not movie stars. Um, I just caught the, the headline. And so I looked it up and he basically said he's got an ax to grind with Marvel. That's the only things that seem to be made these days. And, you know, they're, they're the only movies that are out and they're not real movie stars and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so Simu Lu, who plays Shang-Chi, uh, he shot back and saying, if only the gatekeepers to movie stardom came from Tarantino and Scorsese, I would never have had the opportunity to lead a 400 million plus movie. What are your thoughts on right. that? Uh, you know, I can kind of see it both. I can kind of see it both ways. Yeah. Um, I, I, I saw, I saw the, 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 the audio clip, uh, mm-hmm. of what Quinn Tarantino said. Yeah. And I think on a level he's correct because, you know, the star, the star of those movies is the character. Like it's, sure. you know, uh, whatever hero it is, whether it's like Shang-Chi or Captain Marvel or whoever. Now, granted uh, for a few of them, the star kind of has transcended the, the character because they became kind of synonymous, right? Like Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. That's why it's going to take, it's going to take them basically rebooting the entire MCU likely with secret wars for them to be able to recast that character because like, sure. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is a certified movie star who, you know, came through through Iron Man and, and, and through the MCU, right? Yeah. Um, but most recently, outside of those original Avengers, mm-hmm. right, it, it, he has a point where the star is the superhero. Right. And it's like, oh, and they're played by so-and-so, right? Uh, uh, but on the other hand, Simulu has a point where, like, you know – in the most recent phases, Marvel and, and Disney have have introduced a lot more kind of diverse characters, diverse casting. Sure. Where in traditional Hollywood, a lot of these actors would not would not get these leading roles. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I, I wanna say I to some extent, yes, Quentin, Quentin Tarantino is correct, where he's, he actually says that the, the characters are the stars of the film. And that that's a thing, because these are characters that are already established. Yeah, they already have canon. They're in yeah. the comic books. They're in cartoons. Yeah. They're in other media represented in, in various ways that have already been accepted right. by, a, by a large portion of the fandom. Yeah. And so, you know, until... Until one of those actors like has a transcendent, you know, portrayal of the character, like, like, um, uh, what's his name, Chadwick Boseman, yeah, as as Black Panther, mm-hmm. like his portrayal and his his the acting job that he did, and in 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 that movie transcended the comic character, right, right, yeah. and so you know it's like it's kind of chicken and egg if you really think about it, yeah, that's true. Where where you know the character already exists in 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 the fandom and it's up to the actor to you know to elevate themselves through that character right it's an opportunity and what are you making of that opportunity right i think i think generally what quentin tarantino is saying is right however i mean this has kind of been going on 
long before Marvel. Yeah. I think Marvel has just rode this wave of, you know, having having already established characters or, or, or IP that already exists that's being Yeah. Um that that, that that's being uh what's it called? Translated to the to the screen. Right. Yeah. Um but I, I think Hollywood has had a movie star problem for like the last like what, 10, 15 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like where, where there's no, there, there are not many new young kind of what used to be considered a list stars, right? Like mm-hmm. your a list stars are still the same guys and they're, you know, same actors and actresses. They're just aging. They're just older. <laughs> right. George Clooney. They're getting far older and, yeah. you know, probably out of their prime. Mm-hmm. Right. But they're still around and, and, you know, I mean, they're not, I mean, I, I, you'd be hard to find like an actor under 35 Mm -hmm. that you'd consider like an old school, like movie star, maybe like Timothy Chalamet. Probably. Yeah. I would say where, where like the acting chops line up with the level of celebrity he's gaining. Yeah. Plus the types of movies that he's putting out. Yeah. Cause he's doing a lot more critically acclaimed movies, you know, and I probably would say Leonardo DiCaprio is probably the last of the old school Hollywood types. But speaking of Scorsese and, you know, DiCaprio has been in a lot of his films. I mean, for someone who cornered the market in gangster films, I yeah. think he needs to take a, a warm glass to shut the hell up, you know? <laughs> so, well, right. It, I mean, Hollywood, like, like they're acting like Hollywood isn't cyclical, right. right? Like it's whatever is, 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 you know, big, it's of the time. Yeah. Right. So like in the, in the fifties, it was, it was war movies in the sixties, seventies, it, it was, you know, cowboy films. And then in the late seventies, eighties, it was, it was, you know, uh, uh, cop revenge movies, right? Sure. And then in the eighties, it was like bulked up action hero movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like yeah, of the time, a genre kind of bubbles up, and right now, that's right. It's 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 superheroes, right? It's you know, you're exactly correct. those are the movies that get made. They get greenlit. They make stars. They employ a lot of stars, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like maybe there's like up and coming stars that you know that some of these directors want for, for their movies, mm-hmm. but like their movies aren't paying nearly as well yeah, or won't give a lot of like an up and coming young actor as much exposure as like being cast as, you know, the, the, you know, one of the leads of a tent pole yeah. superhero movie. That's exactly correct. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's kind of resentful, for them to say these are the only kinds of films that are being made right now. These are the popular films that are being made. They're just, there are plenty of other films that are being made and there are a lot of mediums in which you can watch them and you have to seek them out like anything. And it's just like the music industry with pop music. If you want to listen to pop music that's played, that's beat to death on the radio all the time, it's there for you. But if you want some, a specific type of music that's that's not the mainstream, what used to be called alternative, um, you have to seek that out. Sure. You have to find well, those channels. Right. And and, and I, I mean for for these filmmakers, like 
again, a sign of the times where, you know, even though a lot of people want to pretend that we're out of the pandemic, mm-hmm. we're still kind of in the pandemic. Sure. And so like, you know, movie going audiences like aren't, aren't going to trek out to a, a you know, to, to go out of their way to go see, you know, like a, a three hour, you know, dramatic art house movie. Right. That's true. <laughs> right. They're, 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 they're going, you know, for those big tent pole mm-hmm. leading, you know, you know, a list led movies. And even then th- th- there's doesn't seem to be kind of a real rhyme or reason as to which ones they go to outside of the, you know, the superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that these audiences are going to. That's right. Um, you know, and, and so like, it also, like you said, there's other there's other distribution channels for them. Mm-hmm. It's just that, you know, these in a like headlining directors, yeah, like maybe check your ego at the door in terms of like what you deem as acceptable way to distribute your movie. Like, right, you know, if if you're if you're Christopher Nolan and you're spending all this time and effort to film in IMAX. Yeah, you've got a bone to you've got an axe to grind when, you know, the studio shifts their their primary distribution method to online and and away from marketing it for, you know, the theater experience. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But some of these other directors like, you know, just go get that money, go get that funding where you can get it. Yeah. And if it means that your movie it has a week in LA and New York and then primarily is 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 distributed through streaming like that's just how it is now. That's right. That is how <laughs> audience are accustomed to streaming, mm-hmm. streaming movies at home in the comfort of their home on their 65, 70 inch. That's right. You know, high definition TV. <laughs> yeah. And you know, with technology, it's enabled us to make a home theater experience. Number one, but number sure. two, this was how it was going to be regardless of the pandemic. The pandemic just accelerated it. Sure. So, there you go. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, good times. Yeah, so good times. All right, let's move on. Let's move on to some fun stuff. Speaking speaking of an axe to grind, Santa. Speaking of Santa. <laughs> all right. Well, our first take on this episode is the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which is currently streaming on Disney Plus. Writer director James Gunn brings back Chris Pratt, Dave Bautista, Palm Clementiev. Karen Gillian, Bradley Cooper, Sean Gunn, and a little-known actor named <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Oh, man. Like, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon just got just so much ex- easier. Just got, yeah. <laughs> Connected into the Marvel Universe right here. Like, now it should just be, like, Two Degrees to Kevin Bacon. I know. Because, like, you got to have a challenge because – you know, with with six degrees, I've, I, mean, I've, I swear I've connected everyone to Kevin Bacon. Yeah, well now, well no, now even before. In, well, I know that's what I'm saying. Like, like movies even like before six degrees was probably too easy. Yeah, but even now, it's way easier. Well, anyway, I mean, two movies in particular: uh, A Few Good Men. Yeah, and JFK. Yes, that's it, right there. Yeah, they all feed yep. right in. So that's what I'm saying. Like one to two degrees to to. That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> Make it a challenge. That's right. All right. So speaking of the Guardians of the Galaxy, they're, they now own nowhere um, and reflect on Star-Lord's love for Christmas, which leads Drax and Mantis to travel to Earth in order to pursue the ultimate Christmas gift, his hero, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I mean, just the concept it's, makes me laugh. Oh, it's it's great. Yeah. So here's to 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 kind of set the stage here. Marvel with the with with Werewolf by Night mm-hmm. has started to do one-shot specials. Like not like short one-shots like they did, but like one-shot special episodes for you know, whatever it may be. Right. And, and this is a one shot. It's a holiday special. Yeah. And I love the fact that they're doing holiday specials like this. That's, like, yes. Doctor who has done a holiday special forever. Like the BBC has been all up well, on. Let me time holiday out here. Specials for their IP. Let me time out here. That's a British yeah. thing, man. They love their Christmas. They love their Christmas no, songs. They love their Christmas specials. Know. You know, it's why shouldn't the rest of the world why should the rest of the world suffer? Why shouldn't we have these things? Exactly. But what they've done, what they've masterfully done is while it's a holiday special or Christmas special or whatever holiday they may be like plugging into, it's not like corny, like say the Star Wars holiday special. <laughs> <laughs> it like they find ways to like, you know, set the, set it within the, you know, the context of the show where it's not like, you know, really corny and weird. It's still the Marvel universe, but just for a brief moment in time. Yeah. And that's not to say like, you know, network TV hasn't done Christmas holiday specials. Well, I mean, it's like a, a rite of passage for, you know, for, for any network television show, but you know, the fact that they're doing kind of, you know, one-off one shots. Yeah. Um, I think it's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So having said that, what are your thoughts? Well, what are, what are your first thoughts? Well, first of all, um, I think James Gunn just put together the best Christmas mix tape ever. (laughs) And I know a lot of people will disagree with me on that one because I think the Smashing Pumpkins Christmas time song is one of my all time favorite Christmas songs. Oh my God. I haven't heard that in forever. It's so good. And as soon as it started playing, I was like, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And not I forgot to, about this song. And they did that new old 97 song. Um, but I, I just thought it, it was, it was very fulfilling in a lot of ways just for, you know, just really quick. It was, it was a, a, a really quick 44 minutes. Um, it, it just, had a very simplistic plot. It just gave you what you needed to kind of tide you over until the big, the next big meal comes, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And sure. uh, it was, it was actually great to see the adventures of, of Drax and Mantis going. Yeah. As- like a, like a non saving the universe, right. saving X thing, you know, Basically just saving Peter Quill's Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. No, like lower stakes, but still a fun little adventure. Like a, 
like an encapsulated, you know, one-off adventure. Uh, one thing I want to touch on uh, in terms of my, my mm-hmm. thoughts, I agree with you is, is, is it's, it's so fun to watch. Um, and, and again, yeah. where it's not like, you know, we need to save the galaxy just to see like a little side adventure, what their lives are in between, you know, tentpole adventure movies. Yeah. Right. Um, like I, I guess James Gunn was receiving some criticism from both Marvel and DC fans where they're like, how could you be all in on, you know, my fandom when you still got, when you've got X going on. Right. So like the Marvel fans were hitting at him for being like, how could you do this to us and jump to DC? And, and does that mean that you're not putting your full effort into Guardians of the galaxy? You know, and, and then, you know, we and, saved and then, you, we brought you back. <laughs> right? How could you stand and us then in the like, back? And then DC fans are like, how are you putting your, your all and your full creativity into, into building out the DC, you know, the DC universe when you're still working on Guardians of the Galaxy and Marvel stuff. And, and they're going to have you, you know, like consult on stuff going forward. And it's like, Hey guys, calm down, settle down. Yeah. Just because you belong to a fandom does not mean that the fandom belongs to you. That's right. One. Right. <laughs> That's a common theme that we discuss. Yeah. And two, just let the man work. All right. Like. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> by watching and watching the, the, the Gardens of the Galaxy holiday special, by all accounts, like oh. if he if if the quality wasn't as high. The writing wasn't as clever. The hijinks weren't as fun. Like, you know, you could write it off as, ah, oh, it's just a holiday special. It's not canon. Like, mm-hmm. you, like you, it's not a must-see, right? It's it's for kids, right? You can have your kids sit down and watch it. It's cool, yeah, right? Like, there are a million built-in excuses for, you know, why this, the quality of this special didn't have to be very good. Right. And yet on several levels, he delivered so well. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. And, you know, to piggyback on what you said about, um, on what you said about uh, the Marvel versus DC, has there been a larger uh, cultural appropriation discussion unnecessarily than this, you know, um, let's, let's also consider that culture belongs to no one, you know, it's, it belongs to everybody. And the thing is, is that he's a fan. I mean, these fans need to put themselves in James Gunn's shoes where, yeah, he brought one of the best side franchises with guardians of the galaxy to the screen, but he's also a fan of DC as well, you know, and, and it, he seems to be striking gold with whatever he's doing. So I, uh, again, I have to say, yes, let the guy work, let him, let him bring us the things he loves because it's, it's going to be, he's going to do a great job with DC. He's been doing a great job with Marvel and this, this just solidifies that one more thing that, you know, guardians of the galaxy two and a half, um, is, has been, uh, it, it was, it was absolutely, uh, perfect. You know, when you, right, you know, right. it didn't, did, didn't do too much, didn't do too yeah. little. 
it provided us with 44 minutes of entertainment. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so standout moments for you. Standout moments for me. Uh, number one was the Hollywood Boulevard scene. Oh, where they're gosh. out there just collecting some serious cash. <laughs> You knew that was going to be like a bonker. You knew that was going to be like a bonkers like montage scene where yeah. they see where they see Captain America uh-huh. on Hollywood Steve. Boulevard and she and she runs up and gives him a hug and he yeah. like freaks out. And runs away. That's right. It's well as soon as as soon as they show Harley them walking on Hollywood Boulevard, I would the I immediately thought, "Oh my gosh, the like tourists are going to just throw cash at them and get their picture taken." And oh yeah, that's exactly what they did. So that was that was absolutely hysterical. And and then in another holiday staple, they took that money and went straight to the bar. <laughs> they went straight to the bar <laughs> and got loaded. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> trying to find, trying to find uh, 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 Kevin Bacon. That was great. Yeah, maps of the stars, yeah. homes. But but to to piggyback on on your point, like. When they went to Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard, uh-huh. I thought it was great too to center the the special on Drax and Mantis. Yeah, right. I agree. So, like, instead of instead of you know having it be all about Peter mm-hmm. or Rocket or or you know Gamora, like, kind of like a side adventure right with with Drax and and Mantis I thought it was great that that they centered it on those two yeah and and I'll say and from yeah yeah exactly where where he's like clearly becoming the heart of the Guardians of the Galaxy the narrator yeah 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 and um I'll say a big standout for me not just that the the whole the beyond that they centered it around Drax and Mantis, but the performances by Dave Pati- Dave Batista and, and and Palm, yeah, like you know, seems light years from their first appearances, yeah, in the franchise, right? Right, like with Dave Batista is one of his first acting roles, mm-hmm. and like at the time when he was cast, like it was kind of perfect for him, right? Where sure. you know he needed to be like stoic and deadpan, and like he he didn't it it didn't require a lot of him. And even with Palm, like you know, in Guardians of the Galaxy two, like her characters like really meek, didn't speak a lot, like you know, and, and even in the subsequent like Avengers movies that she'd appeared in, like. They didn't ask a lot of her. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like in this, there was like both of them, both characters had yeah. so much more personality. Yeah. You know, they, they had a much, they seemed to have a much deeper connection and friendship than, you know, than ever in, in any of the other appearances that they've made. I, I, I really enjoy their performances. Yeah. I have to agree. I know Dave Batista has uh, publicly said that he's, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be likely his last time as Drax because he's in his early 50s and you know to kind of keep up his his um you know having a shirt off all the time and 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 basically uh want not wanting to play such a action centered role 
you know, it's it's been a good shift as well by James Gunn recognizing that. I, I, I'm assuming here, but recognizing that and actually giving Drax more substance as a character. And sure. make, I, I'm sure he's probably, James Gunn is maneuvering to probably try to keep keep Dave Batista around as Drax because he's he's giving him a little bit more meat in his roles as opposed to well, sure. someone who just jumps and just starts stabbing things, you know? Yeah, or, or is like just the comic relief. Right. Or is just the muscle. Right. Right. He 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 his character has has, you know, much more to do. Yeah. And I hope it continues in, yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy three. I'm sure it will. Um where it, it requires a lot more from him as an actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, you know, portray the role. So, yeah, true. <laughs> All right. I have a little note here. Yeah. Easter eggs. So James Gunn is, is notorious for Easter eggs. And, uh, and, yes. and I, so I started seeing a lot of these Easter eggs, um, these articles about guardians of the galaxy, Easter eggs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's Easter eggs in, there's like one major Easter egg in the first one that still hasn't been found. Right. That like makes people rewatch the first Guardians of the Galaxy repeatedly. Yeah. And then there's like, like for example, when, when you, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, when they get to know where, like the coordinates of it, if you translate it a certain way, it, it says like Pete's dad or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm where you assume where it leads one to believe that like, Oh, his dad is, is a celestial, which in garden, Gal- there's a payoff in gardens of the galaxy Two where, yeah. Yeah. His dad was ego. Right. Sure. So that, that's kind of the, the stuff that he sprinkles in. Yeah. Yeah. But also I, I think when it comes to, because of the whole Easter egg thing. Yeah. Easter eggs are things that are supposed to be, you you're supposed to search for and find not that are obvious, it's funny to sure. see that in all of these articles, and I, I, I'm, I know I'm sounding like a little negative Nelly here, but, but, like, hey, <laughs> hey, okay, yeah. let's not get crazy. I'm not going to get crazy. But I'm a positive Nelly. Uh, well, I'm a very optimistic person, but some of these <laughs> things just aren't Easter eggs. So they did a thing from. Don't drag me into this. Well, I'm not going to drag <laughs> you into this, but I'm going to say I, I, my opinions are my own. Uh, they did a like a little you catch a little sign that has Kingo from altern from Eternals doing Kingo's Christmas. You know that's an Easter egg. But when they're sitting here talking about the the dog Cosmo making him comic book accurate, accurate, that's just out there. If if it's just blatantly obvious, it's not an Easter egg. You know the fact that Ant Man is on Hollywood Boulevard. It's or, or that the rest of the Avengers are on Hollywood Boulevard. That's not really a a um, an Easter egg, you know? Right. That's yeah. just like a very good detail, of right? Like what you'd expect to see yeah. on Hollywood Boulevard. Look, I mean, there's an element of clickbait in yeah, those sure. articles as well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But um, I, I do have to say that that there's there was quite a bit of uh, like the things that you don't really realize, like the guardian ship was uh, now named the Bowie, which is a reference to David Bowie, which obviously I think they used um, Moonage daydream in 
the first Guardians of the Galaxy film. Like those little things are Easter eggs because you they're not very in your face obvious. But yeah. these are the things, and, and this also uh, kudos to James Gunn because it makes second, third, fourth viewings of these films a vastly different experience when you yeah. when you kind of get these things. So um, I, I definitely uh, I would say. It, it, it's a little bit more in your face, but it is a an Easter egg, which was when uh, Rocket gets Bucky's arm for Christmas, where he's oh yeah, because it's a throwback to I'm going to get that arm, you know? Yes. So from yes. from Infinity War. So yes, but yeah, so I, I definitely appreciate James Gunn's Easter eggs. So if anybody's got any out there that 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 you haven't found throw us up on uh hit us up on the twitter on the twitter throw, machine throw, throw us up throw us up there call us out vomit us out vomit us out <laughs> hashtag us tweet us let us know uh, yeah what you find so um but it was great and and you know um it, it was a good good bookend to the uh to the to the uh special with you know, kind of the conclusion of, of Yondu um, and and what he really uh, saw with, you know, how he really saw Christmas at the end. You yeah, know? And, yeah. And, and, and it was one of his those relationship. Things. It explains a lot of his relationship with Peter. Right. Like a young Peter. Right. Exactly. Uh, I want to point out, again, just <laughs> the direction that, that they've – taken some of these like the 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 shows and movies Mm -hmm. um most recently where they're either like not completely overly serious where they're willing to you know be meta and and maybe break some fourth walls like obviously like she hulk went as far as you could possibly go within the stand box that's the mcu right Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, I love the fact that Kevin Bacon is in the MCU as himself. Yeah. <laughs> Not like a hero. Like imagine, imagine going back and seeing like the cast list for the guardians of the galaxy Christmas special and seeing mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. And then, like, imagine the conversations of people like, oh, what could Kevin Bacon be playing in Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, what character? Maybe this character or this random, like, government official or, like, you know, maybe someone from Nova. No, Kevin Bacon is playing Kevin Bacon. (laughs) That's right. And then he he calls his wife by name. So so presumably, Kira Sedgwick also in the MCU as herself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And along with that, they 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 speaking of like easter eggs and 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 just like callouts and small details. Um the fonts himself, Henry Winkler, yeah. also in the MCU as himself. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, while they're name dropping you know what i mean yeah so you know i mean i don't know 
if they could have gotten away with this in in phase one or two. <laughs> Definitely not in phase one. Definitely not in phase yeah. one. Phase two, you know, was a was really self serious. If you look at, you know, Thor: yeah. The Dark World, and you know, like Ant like Man was probably the catalyst that broke it all open to make it a little bit more. Ant Man was was the first that I can remember where it was a comedy, is an action comedy, sure, versus a superhero action movie with some funny elements in it. Yeah, right, with some jokes in it. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean. The Avengers a little bit, but I mean, when you hire Joss Whedon to do anything, right? There's going to be some quippiness to it, right? Yeah, and people are going to get yelled um, at too. But like more, more unlike him, yeah, people are going to get demeaned and yelled <laughs> yeah, at. That's right. I'm going to kill your career. But, but more along the lines of like, this is the character. This this is how you know they act on the regular versus like, can we punch this up and make it? you know, not so serious. Yeah. Right. But you know, the fact that they're getting more and more meta and, and, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. um, not being so serious all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah. like it. Yeah. I think, I, it's, I think it's a good, I think it's a good shift. All right. Well, we're, we're limited on time. So. Oh yeah. What's yeah. Let's, take? let's keep this rolling. Yeah. What's your take? Uh, you know, it, it's a watch. I mean, granted it's streaming, but if, if yeah. like, because it is a you know James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy, if you can watch it on the biggest screen possible, sure, it's a must watch. Like I, I wouldn't wait too long to go out and, and see it. I've mm-hmm. seen it three times already. So. Oh my goodness! I just barely squeaked <laughs> it in, man. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I would say it's a watch as well. It's a, it's a solid watch, and and I'll probably yeah. watch it again because I I did watch it by myself, but um, yeah, uh, just because you know everyone else has been busy. I was actually yeah. watching it in my son's gymnastics class while I was waiting oh, on him. Funny. Yeah. So, um, uh, but uh, I'm going to hail everyone together probably this weekend and, and we'll yeah. watch it again or before but, Christmas. But if you that. think about it by any means possible, go out and watch it. Right. right. Like you, you, the only opportunity that you had was while you're waiting, waiting for, for, for your son's class. Yep. And so you broke out that cell phone. You watched it on mobile. I so sure by did. any means possible, go out and watch it. By any means. All right. Well, we got two two watches on this one. So let's get to our final topic, a retake. We do the retakes because we just honestly feel it's unfair to just judge an entire series just by the first episode or the, the initial. By the pilot or the, yeah, yeah, by yeah. the first few episodes. So, yeah. so let's – so we do these retakes – which I, I think are necessary to kind of s- to circle back um, because things may have changed. Um, it may have gotten worse. It may have gotten better, um, but we'll see. Let's provide our take, our retake uh, on Andor. Now that the series, the, f- the first series has concluded, uh, we'll be discussing this Star Wars slash Disney series. You forgot to say created and written by Tony Gilroy. Oh, created and written by Tony Gilroy <laughs> if, of Michael Clayton and Jason Bourne fame. Yeah. yeah. Andor stars Diego Luna, Stellan Skarsgård. Oh, I see what you did there. You put all the pronunciation of names on me. That's, that's right. <laughs> Genevieve O'Reilly, Fiona Shaw, 
An appearance is from Forrest Whitaker and Andy Serkis. Andor is a prequel series to Star Wars Rogue One. Highlights the efforts to form the Rebellion. Yes, Andor. Or the sparks of Rebellion. Andor or How to Start a Rebellion. Yes. Yeah, wah, I like wah, it. Wah. <laughs> All right. Now that it's concluded, what are your thoughts? Well, raise the spoiler flag in case anyone throw hasn't finished flag. it yeah, yet. Spoiler flag is on spoilers from this point on. If you haven't seen it, please go out and watch it. Oh wait, wait. By my, in my opinion, please go out and watch it. Okay. Anyway, spoilers. Sure. What was your question again? <laughs> what are your thoughts of the conclusion of Andor? Oh, I loved it. Uh-huh. I, like, uh, it wasn't without its flaws throughout the season. Sure. Right. That's it, fair. It, uh, there, there, there are certain, certainly ways that, you know, they could have tightened things up or, you know, maybe they left a, a, a little bit of a, a hole, but, uh, there are, uh, maybe three, at least three episodes in this season. And I said it before, I would stand up against any two to three hours in star Wars, all of star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, just the writing, the performances. Uh, I, yeah, I, my opinion of Andor has not changed. Mm-hmm. And if anything, it cemented it. Like this is a must watch. It's a must watch. Okay. Yes. All right. Let me break some things down. Sure. Because previously I said I, I wasn't very excited about the first three episodes. And I thought yes. all of that storyline could have been combined into Yes, good one, old runtime and pacing. One you. episode. Okay, yeah, yes. r- runtime and pacing. More, more pacing than – because a lot of those plot points were really unnecessary to drag out over the course of three episodes. It could have been two. It could have been one. Um, I, I do think while it may be necessary to hit the political aspect of, mm. of the raising the money for a rebellion mm-hmm. – that stuff just dragged on so yeah. long. Let's look. I've seen this argument on the internet of get these politics out of my Star Wars. To which I submit all of episodes one through three and a good chunk of Star Wars The Clone Wars, which were either written and or directed and or supervised by George Lucas, the creator mm-hmm. of Star Wars, includes heavy elements of politics and yeah. political mover- maneuvering and trade routes and negotiating between one coalition or the other and how to build voting blocks within the Senate. Mm-hmm. And to to the get the politics out of my Star Wars crowd, yeah. George Lucas freely <laughs> included politics. Yeah, in no, Wars. He, he did. You're exactly correct. And the funny thing about that is one of the reasons why those first the the prequels were so terrible were essentially because he wanted to make them appeal more to kids, but he ended up creating Jar Jar Binks. And endless politics and a lot of things that kids don't really understand. Whereas they kept the storyline simplistic 
with a little bit of complexity in the original trilogy. And they were able to kind of move forward and create what was one of the best trilogies in the history of cinema. But yes, but my point is, my point is this is not a new thing because of Disney's acquisition of Lucasfilm. Sure. Politics have been part of star Wars for 20 plus years. Yeah. Now, there's not as much politics in the original trilogy because it was good versus like, evil. It's full on civil war, good versus evil, right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. filling in filling in the details of, you know, before the rebellion, after the rebellion, you know, like the seeds of the seeds of the empire, all that stuff has to center around around the political maneuvering because how do you go from the republic the, the galactic like republic to the galactic empire like that doesn't just happen overnight that doesn't happen without political maneuvering and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, again unfortunately with the prequel trilogy mm-hmm. there's probably a little too much of it yeah or it was probably a little too complex for the target audience yeah which were children um and and probably like george lucas Maybe didn't need to make that the the, the prequel trilogy for children. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it just became a little bit too complex, and and I I do sure. think that the politics in this were very complex because there was there was the only maneuvering was strictly around funding. Sure, it was it, and that is the probably the most boring thing to display unless you're making a movie about how to get how to get or making some type of show or movie to how to secure funding so you can blow something up. Yeah, but if you think about it, that's everything. How do they get equipment? How do they get how how can oh, they is. rise up and battle the empire, right? And and it speaks it, it adds even more context if you think about it mm-hmm. to uh the last Jedi where, you know, there's this there's this whole there's this whole side adventure that's that's almost like a a a, a wild goose chase where they yeah. go to uh, the casino planet, yeah, and uncover how you know most of the the rich people that live on that planet are war profiteers and sure. you know the same the same defense contractors that are working on you know empire equipment are also working on rebellion equipment, yeah. right? I think it adds a lot more context to that. Yeah, I mean, having it, to shuffle shuffle money around, and you know, like who's involved at what levels of you know, yeah, either the rebellion or with the empire. You know, I, I definitely think, it, and it's very mafia esque by having like a uh, Stellan Skarsgård having a a store where he's doing like backroom deals and 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 kind of. Uh, maneuvering in in the back of his shop, but um, I, I I definitely think it it could be understood by coming in to these these plot lines a a, a little bit more further in to where you can y- use some some dialogue or narration to or, or exposition I should say to to kind of tell what's what's already been going on. And, and where they are. So they could have gone halfway through their, their journey through one of those 
boring conversations that they had during this show and explained where they're where they're at instead of having to hit every single party and every single visit from the senator to the to the little shop and and every little meeting with the 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 mafia mafia esque person um you know it's it's just it, it gets a little mundane after a while it was a little too much I, and, I, and and i'm and i would say a political spy thriller is good but you still need some balance we need a little bit more this 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 series didn't need to be 12 episodes it could have okay. been okay so one i want to say you're wrong <laughs> i knew you were going to say that <laughs> Where like the background, the back, like the 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 back channel deals and all of that maneuvering, like makes the rebellion possible. I, I'm not now, saying it's not on, necessary. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So to start, one, you're wrong, but two, <laughs> you're partially right. That's right. Because Tony Gilroy has never written for TV. That's right. That's correct. In 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 many and interviews I, leading up to this, he has said, "I made that point last time." It's been an adjustment writing for yeah. TV, where I can't spell all the which which you know is interesting. So I think it's one of those things where like being a feature film writer, mm-hmm. he he's used to having only you know a certain number of pages or or a certain sure. number of like. A, a certain amount of time or like a limit on the number of words, right. That he can use to get a point or, or to, 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 to introduce a new plot point. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so he's used to working within confined spaces. And I think like the, the freedom of, TV, the length of time, the, 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 the time that he had to fill, um, I think, I think that sandbox might've been, you know, a tricky one for him to learn how to play in. Sure. Which is also probably why <laughs> the season was 12 episodes instead of like nine, like all the other. Yeah. Uh, well, that, know, the Disney solution to that, shows. the solution to that was, would have been have less episodes. Well, right. Like there, there are definitely, there are definitely scenes that like either could have been much shorter or eliminated altogether because, you know, they, they put across the same kind of details right? or the same plot points or they, they didn't necessarily further a plot point. Like you already get it. Right. So I, I understand that where you, you could see where he was grappling with how do I write with TV? Like right. I have all this space to fill. I'm used to not having this much space to fill. So like, let's just fill it. Right. Yeah. Um, What I will say is some of the monologues that he wrote that were written for this show, Mm -hmm. some of like the, the dialogue and conversations were the best in star Wars. Mm -hmm. Like they were not trivial. Like, a lot of those conversations and monologues were, you know, they were gripping because like they were, they were so much just life and death. Yeah. Highest stakes possible. Just written into 
each and every one of those lines like that monologue that Luthen gives where he's meeting with that uh the spy i think it's an episode i want to say like five or six mm-hmm. well i mean to even start like in episode two the first time he meets andor like he gives he gives that monologue about like wanting to fight the empire and i was like after watching that episode i was like Hell yeah, I will run. Point the wall. Point me to the wall you want me to run through. <laughs> yeah. And then he gives that other monologue where he's with that that the other, you know, the, the spy that he's cultivated in the Empire. And and the guy's like, you know, you asked me to risk too much. What have you risked? Mm-hmm. You know, and and he goes into that like that monologue um where he talks about everything that he puts on the line. I mean Yeah. I, can you think of another monologue in Star Wars like at that level? No, yeah, there was there was definitely a lot of of elevated dialogue in this in this film in this show. Um, I mean, like a a a, a true like <laughs> dramatic film writer. Yeah, at the height of his powers, like dropped into Star Wars and just like you know weaving a symphony <laughs> yeah i mean and i see the intent because i i've i've seen some of tony i've seen a lot of tony gilroy's work um outside of the born series um but and he does a lot of political stuff and he's a great writer and a lot and i love a lot of dialogue driven film um so there you go tarantino and scorsese it's not superhero star wars stuff um, but I, I, I do think that, that I, I do feel that there was this series was definitely intended to make the star Wars franchise a little bit more intellectual uh, on that, on that note. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, sure. but I do have one complaint. Okay. You so, mean another complaint? Yeah. Yeah. I do have another complaint. <laughs> Other other than that, I enjoyed it, and and I agree with you that that there's the 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 bank robbery episode, the prison episode, and yeah. um there was one where uh, uh Luthen Rail attacked the Star Destroyer. Oh yeah, that was that Some was the episode best. that was episode eleven, ten or eleven. Yes, yeah, something like that. I think 10 some or of the 11. best action. Yeah, and, some some great yeah. action. Um, but I do think that the the storyline of Cyril Karn, who was played by Kyle Soller, he was the the guy who botched up the the attack um, where yeah. Cassian Andor got away. Yeah, uh, who was who was pursuing Cassian Andor? Clearly, <laughs> clearly he's going to be he clearly he's going to be a larger presence as this series goes on. Sure. However, he's the Jar Jar Binks of the series. Absolutely. If you edit him out, he'd be fine. Yeah. Like, he, he could have not appeared ever again. Except for that last scene where he saves the um, that one girl's life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And otherwise, every single scene where he's sitting there talking to his mother <laughs> is completely worthless. And that is that Tony, is Tony Tony Gr- successfully successfully introduced incels and in, into Star Wars. Yes, so he's he's essentially that is absolute filler. You if if I'm sorry, but the, like 
it was about the total of about five minutes. You can cut those scenes completely out and you could have made these in, and seriously, those scenes are the difference between falling asleep in some of these episodes and, yeah. and staying, staying awake. Um, you know, obviously the, the, his plot points were the fact that he botched that, that raid to try to yeah. capture Cassie Nandor. Yeah. He came, he came very close. He's been capturing him. Yeah. He's been filing complaints. Yeah. And then he saved the girl's life. Yeah. And then he fell in love. Who did he fall in love with? Stalked her. Oh, <laughs> did he fall in love with her? I mean, he found, sorry. I don't know if yeah. it was love or like Miro. You know, he, he, yeah, he, 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 he found, he found, he found a new person to stalk. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, it was funny because they had that moment when they said where, where he saved her. I swear to God, she was so mean in the entire series. I thought they were going to kiss at that moment. And I was like, please don't. And they didn't, of course, but yeah, um, it was, it, it, yeah, his, his storyline was very anticlimactic and I was hoping for so much more because it was such a strong character that that was, that was David Schwimmer at the beginning of band of brothers. Yeah. Right there, you know, captain yeah. Sobel like, where he's got no if, direction. He's wet behind the ears. Right. Like, you know, they could have given him a payoff. So for all the time they spent building up his character and following his character around, like, yeah. Like give me a final showdown of, of only he was capable of tracking casting Andor. like, you know, like he found him once he found him again. Like, you know, maybe yeah. like when Cassian rolls up with Bix on the ship uh, in the final episode, like he knew where to track him and he like stabs Cassian or something before, like before he makes a, a getaway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, more of a payoff than like he just saved the, you know, right. Imperial investigator just, lady. Yeah. D- the lady uh, that he was stalking, he saved D- her. <laughs> Denise Go, we didn't mention her, um, or Guff, Denise Guff. Uh, she's an Irish actress, so uh, um, no, yeah, she was she was she she was properly intense, like yeah. a very good, you know, imperial, yeah, like uh, uh, bureaucratic, yeah. you know, character in in Star Wars. She's very good, but yeah, yeah. she was basically a stalking victim <laughs> that was saved. Sure. That was saved by, by her stalker. stalker. <laughs> That's right. So, she, yeah. I, but all in all, I would say the performance in this, the, all the performances were were very solid. They they oh, really wanted to I go mean, for straight and serious political drama. And yeah, they, they achieved that. Yes, you know. So this is not your not your your dad's Star Wars, and I say dad because we're all dads now. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It is definitely not. Four kids, right? And Those of us who watch the original trilogy on VHS or look, in the look, movie theater, it's, it's one of those things. It's one of those things where, like, where where I think George Lucas went like zigged when he should have zagged on the on on the 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 original trilogy or the prequel trilogy. Uh-huh. Was that he should have he should have aged the content with his audience, right? Sure. Like he had millions and millions of kids 
that grew up watching it in mm-hmm. you know late seventies, early eighties, right? Yeah. And so here it comes in the nineties, and all these all those kids are now parents, and they have kids. Granted, and so like it makes sense that he was like, well, I want to make this for kids because the original kids that watched the first the 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 the, the original trilogy they're grown up, uh-huh. but like. He didn't make a trilogy for kids. The original trilogy wasn't meant for kids. No, right? it was a. It just captured people's imagination, and it was clean, and it was clean enough that kids could go to it. Yeah, it was right? essentially a, a British World War II Kurosawa film western in space. Yeah, essentially, yeah. and he took and, all and those it was scenes clean from enough that. and bloodless enough where kids could go see it. Right. Right, and that was like one of those happy accidents. Yeah, and well, also, and 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 where he zigged is that he thought, well, I gotta market it to the kids of of the fans who grew up on it. When he should have just kept it at like a just short of PG thirteen, yeah, or or gone for a PG thirteen and aged with his audience. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I I think like, I think like Andor, and even Rogue One. Are, is evidence of like you can they can and should make make all of this for the adult fans mm-hmm. and like like they can make other content that's driven solely towards children but like yeah. the main elements of of the story and the narratives that they're pushing can be and should be PG thirteen plus yeah right well like, I'll say where he should have zigged and and he ended up zagging was writing and directing the film by himself (laughs) look at like star wars was good but he ripped that he pieced he frankenstein that movie from every piece of classic cinema that came before him however and and creating a western storyline with that which was great and coming up with story a space western that was that was space opera western space opera western kurosawa world war ii film um (laughs) so but every Everything like Empire and Jedi, those were he had general storylines that someone else wrote and someone else directed. He was still the producer. He still had some creative involvement. He had some creative input, but he had he didn't have complete creative control because sure. he, and he left had, to his own devices. Right. For, for the prequel trilogy. Sure. Went way too far. Yeah. And that's this is where. That uh, and then again, they 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 made that mistake with the Last Jedi. Um, but when they're when they have a good collaborative um vision, yeah, that's when Star Wars is at its best. And yeah. I'm not gonna say that this is its best, but I'm gonna say there are some some of the best moments in Star no, Wars. I, honestly, it? yeah, but, but right, right. So you know, like I said, the entire series. It was not without its faults, sure. right? Like there, there are certainly elements that like they could have either totally cut out or trimmed, trimmed yeah. back, um, because they were you know kind of unnecessary, or they did a good mm-hmm. job of telling that story or that that, that yeah. plot point earlier on. Sure, right? They didn't need to keep beating it. Um, it could have been like ten episodes, yeah, versus it twelve, yeah, um, but or in nine. terms of the episodes that I would put up against any Star Wars. Any any Star Wars past or present, mm-hmm. the the heist scene, yeah, absolutely. The the prison break, yep, 
and then the the finale the the rebellion mm-hmm. that yeah. that first rebellion that, that right? last that yeah where the last scene at the during the funeral but hey yes really quick before yeah. we end yeah there's a post credit scene yes at the end of the last episode yes so, so for context yeah when Cassie Andor is wrongfully prosecuted and 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 imprisoned imprisoned for six years at a labor camp mm-hmm. they have them building these like widgets and no one knows what the widgets do or why they're having them do it Cassian realizes if they're having us do it as slave labor it must be important like he yeah. says that as a one-off in one of the earlier episodes yeah um but like building of these widgets on this slave camp is 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 very important like they stick with it for what two or three episodes before the before the the prison break scene or before uh, the prison break episode i think it was like two one episode like at the very end of the first uh he goes into them of the one episode and then he had, they had they had like two episodes that were kind of dedicated to the yeah. prison like kind I, of i thought, I thought the prison forth. was maybe like three three episodes total anyway yeah. it, it it's it's interesting is that like cassian in a one off says you know, this is like they wouldn't have us building it if it wasn't important to them, right? Right. Fast forward to the end credit scene. All those widgets that they were building, and I don't know if you want to reveal it or not, but well, we're already talking spoilers anyway, so okay. So it's the they're holding the panels in place, yeah, for the little radar gun on the Death Star. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they are very important to the empire. Very having important. All these widgets built. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, um, yeah. So, and that was by far one of the best post-credit scenes of any freaking. No dialogue, just a couple of robots putting one of those things in place. Yeah. And then they pan out, and it was really quick. And I was like, yes. So I do think going forward this series will probably it will pick up it's going to be the entire start of the rebellion and and conclude right before the rogue one and i i I do think it's this i i have faith that this is going to be uh like a solid maybe three seasons and these second and third seasons are going to be ridiculously good okay they've talked about how so this season this first season was set five years before the battle of Yavin, right? So BBY and like obviously Cassian's arc ends at rogue one, which is right before, right before the original trilogy kicks off. Sure. Right. And so, you know, whether it's however much time passed in this season, whether it was like a year or two. Uh man, I hope I hope it's like five seasons. I'm 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 on board for five. It'll probably be three, <laughs> like you said. Yeah, I and, think they, they got enough and, for three. And future seasons will probably be ten episodes. Yeah. Right? Cause like when we talked about it, they basically did they basically filmed the equivalent of a casting and or trilogy. Yeah. Uh, with with the number of hours of content that they just like 
created here with these 12 episodes. Yeah. Um, and, and the way they, they partitioned it out. Right. So like, so like the, the, the heist is the first, what, four episodes. <laughs> 4,000 episodes felt like. <laughs> so the heist is like the first four or five episodes. And then the prison break is th- like the middle three. Yeah. And then lead up to the rebellion are the final episodes. Right. Um, like the spark of rebellion is, is are the final episodes. Yeah. Um, I oh. mean, I, I think, you know, overall, what would you say has your opinion, has your take changed on Andor? Um, no, I would say it's a stream. Um, yeah. If you're a Star Wars fan, obviously you're going to want to watch this. It's You don't have to get to it right away. It's a stream, but considering the way it ended, I definitely think it was um, – it ended on a cliffhanger. So I, I do think, um, you know, good times are ahead as far as, as, far as um, very solid action-packed uh, episodes of or, – or seasons of, of Andor. Yeah, to come. So, so I would still say it's a stream. Yeah, um, I'm still, I'm still a watch. And after, after watching the full, the full season, if mm-hmm. there was, if there was a step up from a watch, that would be it for me. Wow. Um, I, I look again. Number there one, are scenes, you're wrong. There, there, <laughs> <laughs> there, there are scenes that you could put up against. Yeah. Any other Star Wars. The performances between Diego Luna and Stellan Skarsgård, yeah. incredible. Even uh, what's her name uh, that played his mom? Yeah, uh, like like her final monologue. Oh, so good. The spark of rebellion. My yeah. gosh, like stand up uh, and fight. Th- there, there are performances in this in this show that I mean, they're there are so many other other parts of star wars that like this just like completely destroys in terms of like like the 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 cinematic quality of it yeah the writing and the dialogue i mean like and then some of the action my goodness so anyway i i I loved it okay so you're a watch plus i'm a watch plus okay we have a new category, ladies and gentlemen. I'm drinking the we Kool-Aid right category. now. Okay. I'm, I'm Sounds full good. on drinking the Kool-Aid. I'll tune in for the new season because I like yes. the way it ended. So yeah. it, it like, redeemed look, itself from those. Um, there are things that they can is do. Is piss poor two words? <laughs> first, those first three episodes? Look, look. With, with this being their first shot out, like, there's clearly things that they can clean up, right? Yeah, like, sure. You know, runtime pacing yeah. of it right like one time you know pacing. like tony gilroy should lean into his screenwriting his his feature film screenwriting you know knowledge of like if i've told it once i don't need to tell it again i don't need to beat yeah, this that's right. Horse, right yeah so like lean into that more make make the episodes leaner get it to nine or ten episodes right like the political part of it was very good but just tighten yeah. that up Right, but we also, don't, we don't, also, we don't, to, we don't need multiple scenes of like, you know, like them in the car and like whispering. You know what I mean? Like, so if they clean, yeah. if they clean those bits up, 
I mean, it is a near perfect show. But to be fair to Tony Gilroy, I love the Bourne trilogy. The, that, that fourth <laughs> one was like straight up garbage. That was but, a money grab. That was yeah, a money it was, grab. It was full on money grab. But to be fair, Jason Bourne gets his memory back at the end of the first book. <laughs> Not the entire third, third series. He's got his memory back. Hey, they milked that. Oh, my God. No, seriously. <laughs> 20 minutes into the film, they took a left turn from the, from, from the intellectual property. And they, and they never looked and back. And they never looked back. Hey, which, which means there's an opportunity to there do would, a version of the born identity that is very faithful to the books, right? Well, the yeah. And just not to get off on a tangent, the purpose of Jason Bourne, he was created to lure out Carlos the Jackal. So that was his purpose. So he was, um, they never even covered any of that kind of stuff. So, um, so they just took a left turn and never went back. So yeah. it, it is in line with Tony Gilroy's writing when it comes to that, but he did write some of the most gripping action sequences in cinematic history. And I hope that transcends into the second season of Andor. and or, and so. I think it, and I think in terms of dipping his toe into, into, into this medium of like serialized, you know, storytelling mm-hmm. or episodic storytelling, that was a pretty good first foray. Yeah. I, I get, I'll give him some props on that, except for those first three episodes. <laughs> Which probably could have been two episodes. I it I, could have been I'll one episode. It would have been a strong pilot episode. I'll give and, it to you. And then we could have like carried on. And maybe it would have been a watch with me. But take your time, folks. Take your time. <laughs> you don't need to get there. It's a marathon. It's not a all right. All right. So, all right. All right. Well, on that note. That is our final take. So if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, like, give us five stars, a glowing review, unicorns and rainbows, so our podcast can reach more people and they can show us where the podcast inspired them. (laughs) And of course, many thanks to Tyler Hobbs of Space Ranger for the original music. Check out Space Ranger exclusively on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Final Take Pod. Email us, thefinaltakepod at gmail.com. And check out all of our episodes on our website, thefinaltakepod.com. Subscribe there, too. So uh, if you're not sure, we'll probably, if, if you have any recommendations for good content to put up on social media, we'll definitely do that because we just we just post our clips and stuff. So, um we're, we're taking we're taking fan requests so which leads me to say next week is the fan episode the north man and the peripheral so join us then may the force be with you yeah may the force be with you <laughs> always 